0: From LPM, Louisville Public Media. Support comes from Vision Zero. On foot or behind the wheel, safety is a shared responsibility. And Vision Zero Louisville believes zero roadway fatalities is the only acceptable amount. Their mission is to create safe roads by design, engineering solutions, and education. More information at visionzerolouisville.org. Welcome to The First Cut, an interview series featuring conversations with some of the most talented singer-songwriters recording today. I'm Laura Schein from WFBK in Louisville, Kentucky, and we've asked our guests about some firsts in their lives. Same set of questions, totally different answers. For our season one finale of The First Cut, we have one of my all-time favorite songwriters, Emily Salyers of The Indigo Girls. Every song she writes is a brilliant poem, so I was very interested to learn about who's influenced her along the way. We have Emily Sawyers from the Indigo Girls with us today for the first cut. So excited. I've been such a long time fan. So it's great to have you, Emily. And thank you for being here. Uh, the new album, I love, Look Long. Fantastic. Thank you.
1: We, uh, it's great to be with you, too. And thanks for playing our music and supporting. We were just talking about when we were at the record store together back in the dark ages. But yeah, your ecstasy. Yeah, I miss record stores. <laughs> right. So, so it's it's good to uh, to be with you and look behind you and see all those CDs and albums <laughs> up on your on your wall. So yeah, and thanks. The new album we it came out in May, and Amy and I recorded it in uh, London and in oh, wow. Bath near Bath. And so we got together with a bunch of our uh, UK and Irish friends and had a blast making it. So I think it kind of comes across when you hear the album. It really does,
0: yeah. It's just a fantastic album. Um, So for the first cut, we're gonna ask you some questions, get to know you a little bit better, and then we'll ask you some things that are more present. But our first question is, um, what was the first record that you fell in love with?
1: The Jackson (laughs) 5. My dad let me earn a penny by picking a dandelion so I could earn some money. He just thought of a task. And I picked (laughs) 500 dandelions and went to the record store and bought my first Jackson Five album, and I was completely obsessed. Which uh, what song?
0: What song really stood out for you from that?
1: I think the album must have been uh, ABC. A- was a you know real early one i was just a little kid um everything you know i loved i want you back and abc and i loved everything that they ever did and i just i don't know what it was about them they just they captured me well they had insanely catchy songs for one thing and great um, arrangements great production and then michael's voice i mean just i'd never heard anything like it yeah you know you're either like osmond brothers or jackson 5 and i was jackson 5 all the way
0: me too (laughs) (laughs) yeah um did you do you remember watching their cartoon because they had a cartoon for a while
1: yep i uh i watched the cartoon and recently one of our listeners sent me a or gave me a t-shirt that had the jackson 5 on it so i was like oh my gosh this is the greatest thing ever (laughs)
0: um what was the first song you learned on an instrument and what instrument was that
1: Well, I took guitar lessons at the YMCA when I was nine, so that's when I first started playing guitar. And I had to dig through my memory to see if this is accurate, but I think it was that song, you know, if you miss the train I'm on, you will know that I am gone. You can hear the whistle blow a hundred miles. 500 miles? Yes. Maybe Peter, Paul, and Mary did that. And so it just switched back between E minor and A minor. And I was in a little group class at the YMCA, and I remember learning that song. So that's probably the first one. And the other songs I learned were hymns in church or in children's choirs, but um, that was the first I learned to play on my own. What was your first guitar? It was a... I have it here. Oh, really? Really? so it's this little three-quarter size who made it it was twenty four dollars
0: oh my gosh
1: conqueror serial (laughs) 972
0: yeah how does it it sound now
1: uh way out of tune (laughs) but it was a gut string because i just well my cousin who was a professional player thought gut string would be easier on my little fingers than steel string and it cost twenty-four bucks, and it sat for years and years and years until about maybe five or six years ago. One day, one of the strings just broke, but but this is it. I wanted a purple velvet one, but my, <laughs> my dad, mom said maybe just go with the other one.
0: So I did. Had you had you, had you seen a purple velvet guitar
1: somewhere? Yeah. Uh, well, we we my cousin and my dad and mom I think was there. We went down to the guitar store and they were, you know, all different kinds of guitars and one had a purple velvet like back of the guitar. Um, this was a long time ago. I'm talking yeah. about it. It in 1972 or something like that <laughs> Maybe before then. So anyway, um, I wanted the purple velvet, but they dissuaded me.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> um, what was the first song you wrote? The first song I wrote was just kind of an emulation of a song. It was called Didn't They Know the People? And I actually wrote it on piano, but not really, like with chords and stuff. It was just a melody. And it went like this. Didn't they know the people? Didn't they know them well? More than 40,000 people. And they were doing nothing wrong. That was it. Wow.
0: Well, what was this about?
1: I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I'd been exposed to a lot of protest songs, Peter, Paul, and Mary, and uh, I was just emulating what I thought a song was, but I had no idea what it meant, and I think I wrote that when I was seven.
0: Oh, my gosh. What was the first song you wrote that you were really proud of? Like, this is, I'm, I think I could record this.
1: Well, I wrote a song in high school called I'm So Sorry, I think it was called, or I'm Sorry. Something like that, and I, we had these uh, Miss S.H.S. pageants. <laughs> <laughs> I was the pageant, and I played that song. I was pretty. I thought it was a pretty good song, but we. I never recorded it. And then, the first song that Amy and I had together, which was actually our first recording, it was a on a single, you know, forty five, was Crazy Game. Oh,
0: And that ended up on your first album? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, You talked about being obsessed with Michael Jackson. Was that your first obsession? Or was there another artist that really kind of took over everything for you?
1: I mean, the Jackson 5... I wasn't obsessed. Well, I was obsessed with my, I was in love with him as a young girl, but it was the group, the Jackson five, you know, that really captured my attention. And I, I used to get those teen magazines like tiger beat or whatever, and cut out their pictures and, and put them in my closet. So I don't think I really got obsessed with another artist until maybe, uh, the beginning of high school. And I got obsessed with the band heart. And then um, Joni Mitchell was my very biggest obsession for the longest time. I am on a
0: lonely road and I am traveling, 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 looking for something. What can it be? Oh, I hate you some, I hate you some.
1: I was in college at Tulane which would have been 81 so I would have been 17 or 18. I got really obsessed with funk music like the Commodores and Rick James and um, just groups like that. Johnny Mitchell was the songwriting obsession. What do you have a very favorite song of hers? Oh man, I love her whole catalog. Probably the song Hijira. You know, a possessive couple,
0: so much could not be expressed. So now I am returned.
1: The title track to that album, but I listened to over and over and over. I wore out the grooves on the LP when I was in college. And uh there's just something about that song. It's just I think it's just her and maybe Jock up Astoria to bass. And I think that may be about it. Yeah. Um, just brilliant, brilliant writing. Yeah.
0: What was the first heartache song you remember really connecting with?
1: There was and still is a Canadian singer-songwriter named Farron. I know Farron. Okay, so Farron's song, Our Purpose Here, talk about a great songwriter. That song really was, and I was in high school, and that was the first, I played that song over and over and over again. Uh, Just the way she, see, Farron's a very understated writer, and just the way she captured the loneliness of an ensuing breakup was just, and I've never been through anything like that, but Ever since I was a little kid, I was very, very sensitive to other people's feelings and what they were going through. I was a big reader, and and so I sort of lived vicariously through the heartache and heartbreak of that song.
0: What about Ain't Life a Brook? You know that tune. You say you hope I'm not the kind to make you feel obliged to go. Taken through your time with a pain. Look in your eyes. You give me the furniture. We'll divide the photographs. Oh god. Oh, you know
1: what? I'm wrong. I told I said the wrong song. I meant Ain't Life a Brook. Oh, okay. (laughs) Ain't Life A (laughs) Brook. There was another great song. I loved her. Oh my gosh. Thanks for reminding me. (laughs) That's okay. you were talking
0: about you know a breakup and that song yeah. for me, boy, there's oh. like, oh, it's just killer.
1: So I watch you reading a book. I get to feel <sighs> oh, the melody and the yeah, that's the one. Ain't life a broke? <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> how did you how did you get turned on to Farron? Because in in high school, I mean, for me, discovering women's music and she would she used to fall under that banner of of women's music. How how did that end up coming into your life?
1: I think I had maybe uh, a, it actually I may have been a student of my dad's who was into all kinds of music and we just kind of like sort of hung out all together and she introduced me to some of the women's music like Chris uh, Williamson. Williamson and then Vicki Randall had a show at Tulane I remember going to and there were certain, but but Farron was the creme de la creme, um, just really in a league of her own but it was about that time when I was getting introduced to all those other women artists who were doing it on their own, you know, that I got introduced to Farron. And both Amy and I are, we became friends with Farron, but, but have the utmost respect for her songwriting. Just incredible. Yeah.
0: Um, what was the name of the first band you played with? I guess it would be Indigo Girls,
1: or was there another band you were part of? No, we were, well, actually, Gosh, the more you ask me these, I thought I had my answers, and then I go. (laughs) When I was in seventh grade, I had a little group called The Blue Skies, and it was me and Kay Grimes and Leslie Jolly, and we used to play in the lunchroom. (laughs) Um, And Amy remembers that, and seeing us playing in the lunchroom. She would have been in sixth grade and me in seventh. But then Amy and I used to call ourselves Sailors and Ray, so that was the first real band.
0: (laughs) What was your first professional gig you and amy
1: well i my own professional gig was when i was 14 for a democratic gathering of some sort it was like a political fundraiser so that was kind of cool our first gig together professionally it was probably at one of those like we call them fern bars like we got fake ids and we went out and we played we played at a place called Good Old Days that had open mic night, so it wasn't really professional, but you could make tips, and that was one of the first ones too. Why did you call them fern bars? What's that mean? They were like the kind of the Applebee's of back then, and they and they had ferns in in uh you know like these like <laughs> grass urn type things and. <laughs> so they were kind of like, you know, middle of the road, American food slash bar food decorated with ferns. And that's why we called them fern bars. But they did have, they don't do this anymore, obviously, but they had, uh, there was all kinds of places that had live music back then. It was incredible. We could, we got gigs at all kinds of weird places. <laughs> what was the weirdest? Well, we played, <laughs> we played a resort in georgia nobody was there and the waitresses wanted to all go home they're like like, you can cut your set early you know and uh that was (laughs) kind of strange We played anywhere and everywhere we could we just wanted to play yeah what was
0: the first concert you went to
1: john denver
0: Where where was it and how old were you?
1: In Atlanta at the Omni, and I must have been thirteen. So I went straight from John Denver into Heart. <laughs> There's a real like divide between one thing and the next,
0: right? <laughs> when were you a huge fan of his? Did you go with a friend or?
1: I was always a huge fan of his. Um, I probably went with my parents, my mom or my parents. I don't think my sisters went, mm-hmm. and I was very proud. I wore this like, you know, those shirts that have like the bandanas that make a design right here, and the rest is like a denim shirt. It was like a cowboy shirt. I yeah, was very very proud of that shirt. I think my mom might have made it, <laughs> and it was exciting. The Omni was huge, and I was a huge fan. And I mean, that just blew my mind. And then my cousin, who was a professional performer, he's like. John Denver's great, but you should check out Elton John, too, while you're at it. Get back,
0: walk a cat, better get back to the woods. Quit those days and my redneck wings. And I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: oh, change is gonna do me good. Became totally obsessed with Elton John after that.
0: <laughs> Who in heart were you obsessed with? Was it Anne or nancy
1: or it was the combination i think as a girl you know there just weren't that many women and there's certainly any women rock bands that i was aware of and they were i mean Anne's voice there's no other voice like that there hasn't been and and then nancy played guitar and they were sisters so their blend was you know like only a sister blend can be hey And I love their songs and their rock songs kind of scared me a little bit. I hadn't really been listening to rock music and I was just starting high school and that was kind of crazy and wild. And um, so I I love both the sisters and I love the band. I love the arrangements of the songs and I just love the songs, all of them.
0: Yeah, You have a Lizzo shirt on, right? Yep. Did you, have you seen her in concert or you?
1: Uh, so I saw her, I guess it's been a couple years now. I saw her at a smaller gig in Atlanta um, called The Tabernacle. They just say i not the maddest you lie. I was a huge Lizzo fan before she like exploded. And uh, my, my big sister and I love Lizzo and talked about Lizzo and how much we loved her. And she's just a cool woman from everything I can tell. But our energy on stage was amazing. And everybody was just losing their heads, you know, and I love live music. I I, I wish I could see concerts all the time.
0: Boy, I bet. How are you? What was the last concert you saw before the
1: pandemic hit? indigo girls <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think I mean I have to dig back because yeah. my memory is so distracted by the fact that we were right in the middle of a tour and just everything stopped cold and and that was it um, I know I got to see Janelle Monet. it's like I'm just the way, you make me feel. That's the way you make me feel that's just the way you make me feel and I got to see Lizzo um those are the two that come to mind that I saw in the recent past before the pandemic hit yeah what what are you doing during this pandemic
0: what are you able to do
1: well, Amy and I have been doing live streams and we're working on a live, uh, it's going to be a live stream, but it's me and Amy, we, we record our parts and then the band, most of whom are in the UK area are drummers in Sweden, and, uh, and other folks to record their parts and then it's going to be like a split green screen performance. Mm-hmm. We were really sad that we came out with this album that we loved and these, this great band and that we didn't get to tour with the band. So this is kind of a way of presenting the band and the work has been pretty tedious. Actually. We have to work out times when we can be in a studio and get masked up and have our own corners. And, um, we're, and Amy had a, she wasn't directly exposed, but had an exposure that she had to go into quarantine and, the holidays. So it's been, anyway, it's been a, a real labor of love, but that's one thing we've been working on and we're going to have another live stream tomorrow. Wow. Tomorrow. And (laughs) I am working on my own. I'm working on, um, I started a Patreon page where I'm sharing new music and teaching guitar lessons and like sharing old demos of mine. And we're going to have a songwriting workshop, um, so I've been doing that and then I'm working on two different musicals, which is really fun. Musicals? Yeah. Well, like what? I mean Well, two different people got in touch with me. One was a woman who's already in a musical writing team, and she heard the song Country Radio from the album. And I'm under the stars, at the- An email and said as soon as I heard that song, I I saw a musical. And I was like, Oh, okay, well, should we try? You know, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no <laughs> And the other one was a friend of a friend who sings who's been in Broadway, and she was writing a musical, and she's a fan of our music, and she just asked me, would I write the music? And I said, Yes, and I I'm obsessed with it. I love it. I, it keeps me creative. There's always a challenge. Uh, it strengthens my technical ability on recording at home with my software and stuff. And um, it's just been wonderful. I love it.
0: So it's, it's gotta be different because you're writing for somebody else's story. I would think. Yeah.
1: Right? Yeah. And like on in both teams, um, like Beth Malone is the one, she was in Fun Home on Broadway and she's a TV actress and so on. And she has very, very clear ideas about what she wants for the characters. So some of the songs include things that she's actually written. And then I tweak the words and then other songs are things that I've written. And then she'll probably include a couple songs of mine that Indigo Girls recorded. And then on the other one, we're, we're all like I'm co-working with another musical partner. And then Michelle who writes the book writes some of the lyrics too. So it's completely different. It's, it's extremely collaborative.
0: Well, that's exciting. I can't wait to hear what comes out of this. It sounds yeah, really, really me neat. Too. Me too. Are, are there titles for these musicals yet? Or
1: No, they're both um, fairly new. We just have begun and there's a working title for one, but it hasn't been confirmed yet. So okay. but one is the story of a park ranger who wants to bring a dark sky reserve to a small town in Idaho. And the other is the story of a young queer gal growing up, in the, growing up in the South and what she loves about the South and what she has to leave and come to terms with uh, in her journey, roughly speaking. So they're very different. Fantastic. Um, what record are you
0: listening to right now that you're really loving?
1: I listen to Boniver, Iver, I.I. I. Full-time Utah. love that album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of Casey Musgraves. Well, the sky is finally Honestly, I haven't taken a lot of time to listen to a lot of music because I've been so consumed with one being a mom. My my daughter's in virtual school, and I've got a lot of dishes to do and things to cook, and and I've got these musicals and then the projects with Amy. So I haven't spent a lot of active listening time. But um, those two things, Casey Musgraves, I just I love her voice, and Bonnie Vere, Justin Vernon. He's he really is a visionary. I really can get lost in his albums. I love them.
0: Mm-hmm. What would be a heartache song you would go to now?
1: Oh, okay. So the old, the, it's older, but "I Can't Make You Love Me" that Bonnie Raitt sings. And then Miley Cyrus recently had a single out called Slide Away. I absolutely love, I'm a huge Miley Cyrus and Noah Cyrus fan. So I would say I Can't Make You Love Me and Slide Away are ones that I would listen to now if I wanted to get sad.
0: Okay. And what about a song that would just really lift you up?
1: Casey Musgraves released a version of a song of hers. It's called Oh, What a World. And she has an Earth Day version that's acoustic. And that is just, that's the song I play when I want to just feel good instantaneously. Oh, what a world 2.0. Oh, what a world, don't
0: want to leave, all kinds of magic all around us, it's hard
1: to believe, thank God it's not, too good to be true, oh, what a world, yeah, that's, yeah,
0: yeah. I it's love, oh,
1: I love the, I love the sound of the, the drums. They're not really drums. And I love the uh, guitar parts in it. And then her voice, all of this. And then there is you in the lyrics. It's just, I love it. Exquisite.
0: <laughs> Applying. Absolutely. Well, I think, uh, I think that's pretty much, pretty much it. Uh, Emily, thank you so much for doing this today. I really appreciate you taking out a little bit of time. You, sound like you're extremely busy in the middle of this uh, pandemic
1: (laughs) yeah i mean but we've my family's been blessed you know we've stayed healthy and uh there's a lot of suffering going on out there it's just really really hard to fathom so i'm just i really am grateful for the things that i'm able to do and and the health of my family and the people i love so i can't complain but thanks for having me and uh we appreciate you all so much same here you take care all right,
0: you too. Bye. Thanks for listening to The First Cut from WFBK and Louisville Public Media, available wherever you get your podcasts. Our show is produced by Stacey Owen, edited by Tyler Franklin and Eric Matthews, and hosted by me, Laura Schein. You can also see our First Cut videos by visiting wfbk.org forward slash The First Cut. Support for LPM podcasts comes from the Eye Care Institute and Butchertown Clinical Trials, where they strive for diversity, equity, and inclusion within their staff, patients, and clinical trial participants. To learn more, visit (music) butchertown.clinic.